problem with anything, whether it's a 12-week program, whether it's a year trial. Uh, we, we know, and you know this probably better than I do, that after three or four years after someone's been in either one of those biggest loser shows on television or Survivor or whatever, where they've lost weight or where they've been on a program of weight loss and they've actually lost weight, the vast majority of people have regained the weight. By now, you've probably heard of a Zempic. It's a diabetic drug that's being used for weight loss all around the globe. But what is Ozempic and is it really the magic bullet for weight loss? Well, hello and welcome to the Eat, Live and Move podcast by Miyagi, a space where we bring you the latest science-backed conversations, expert insights and practical tips relating to all things health and wellness. I'm Dr. Ross Walker. I'm a cardiologist and preventative health expert. And I'm Dr. Gina Cleo, your personal habit change expert. And together with our 60 years plus collective experience, and obviously I'm, I'm contributing more to that, uh, we're on a mission to help you to improve your health and transform your habits so you can eat, live and move better one episode at a time without the fluff or the fads. Ross, today we are going to be talking about a trending topic that is taking the world by storm. Yes, we are talking about Ozempic a relatively new drug that's been used to help people lose weight. Now, in the last two years, Ozempic has quickly gained popularity all around the world, mainly thanks to social media, especially TikTok, where, can you believe this, the hashtag Ozempic has been viewed more than 273 million times. I can't even get my head around that many people. Now, today we have got a lot on the agenda, but to give you a quick overview, this is what we're going to cover and we're going to deep dive into. Firstly, what is Ozempic and how does it work to help us lose weight? We're going to look at some of the research, explore the results and find out basically what are the potential side effects. And then at the end, we're going to share our insights and opinions as both a doctor and a behavior change expert and the key things to consider if you're thinking about using this drug or even if you're taking it now. So, Dr. Ross, can you start off by telling us a little bit about Ozempic and its rise to popularity? Yeah, many people think Ozempic's a drug in its own right, but there are many drugs in the same category. These things are called GLP-1 receptor agonists. Now, the, the, the technical name doesn't really matter, but it's glucagon-like peptide receptor agonist and it's given this this particular drug is given once weekly as an injection but there are oral versions of the drug there's one you can have once a day and and Ozempic's been the one that's been had the best research as far as weight loss goes but it was actually initially designed as a drug for type 2 not type 1 type 2 diabetes which is the di diabetes that typically but not always tends to occur in people as they get older is associated with insulin resistance uh, diabetes weight gain uh, blood pressure problems cholesterol issues etc 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 fatty liver there's so many things that go with it and it was initially designed by a danish pharmaceutical company called novo nordisk it was trialed in 2016 then approved in, by the FDA in the US 2017 for adults under the brand name Ozempic. It's otherwise called semaglutide. And soon after that, users of the drug started saying, gee whiz, we're, getting, we're losing weight here. And it's a bit like 
the drug Viagra, which was developed as a cardiac drug because it opens up blood vessels. And some of the middle-aged guys in the trial came and said, hey, Doc, you know what she gave me for my heart? Can I have some more, please? Because it's actually... God, I didn't know where you were going with that, Ross. I'm so glad this well, is just, about heart health. Just, I'm just <laughs> telling you how it, how it actually happened. So, so and, and they found that's how the, the blockbuster drug Viagra came uh, happened, and that's how the blockbuster drug Epic happened. They gave it for diabetes, and the diabetics started losing weight. So in terms uh, so, of the approval for the use of Ozempic, you know, yeah. are doctors allowed or can they prescribe it to somebody who doesn't have type 2 diabetes? Well, of course they can, but the, but it's not covered by the PBS in Australia so or, or anywhere else. So therefore, the person has to pay for it. So it, it's entirely up to two things. It's up to are you prepared to pay for it? And can you get the stuff? Because when when this all happened, and we'll get to this in a second, but when it all happened that it was a, a blockbuster drug for weight loss, they ran out of the cartridges that you used to inject Ozempic with. So there's a world shortage of Ozempic, and it's still very, very hard to get. So so let's go a bit further. So, so they've created a similar drug with a higher dose of this semaglutide in it. They call it Wagovi, and that's also been approved by the FDA for obesity. That's in the US, but not in Australia. Right. It's so interesting you talk about the worldwide shortage. You know, I was in Mexico last month and, you know, they have these, we'll call them like dodgy pharmacies around the place where you can literally go in and buy anything without a script. And Ozempic was one of those things. I think from memory, they were charging something like $400 for a month and it's 400 US dollars for a month. And because they know that there's such a scarcity. Okay, so obviously this drug is in high demand. How does it actually work in the body? You talked about this fancy GLP-1 receptor. What is it actually doing? Well, see, this is the interesting thing because these GLP-1 receptors are in many different parts of the body. But in particular for type 2 diabetes and weight loss, they're in the, the stomach, the upper small intestine, they're in the pancreas, but also in the hypothalamus, which is an important part of the brain for many automatic functions, such as as whether, whether you're hungry, whether you feel full, how it regulates sleep patterns, temperature, uh, hormonal secretions, a whole lot of things. So the hypothalamus is really important. And there are these GLP-1 receptors in that hypothalamus. So when you give this drug, what it does is it releases more insulin from the pancreas it slows down the emptying of, of food from the stomach into the small intestine, but it also works on the hypothalamus to reduce your appetite. So it does quite a few different things to it, firstly improve your metabolism, but also reduce your desire to eat as much. And, and so right. And I can see how that would be so powerful and so helpful because if you were to reduce our hunger, well, losing weight would be so much easier. So I, I can see how it yeah, it's uh, become popular. Look, look, Gina, can I tell you, I have patients ca come and say to me, oh, Doc, I get starving at 10.30. I say, get over it. We're actually designed for a bit of hunger. We were designed to wander around a jungle for 30, 40 years with a spear, and if, if the food wasn't there, you went hungry. But people think it's their God-given right to fill their bellies all the time. I'm going to disagree with you because you have not been around me when I'm hungry. Do you know, a few years ago, Goodness, I was I invited. Have. I went to dinner with you one night. <laughs> I wasn't, I'd already eaten pre-snacks before I got there. I was invited to be a contestant on the show Australian Survivor a few years ago. 
And the reason I said no was because I, they told me they, they only give us two meals a day and they were tiny. And I said, Oh, how hungry will I be? They said, yeah, you'll be hungry the whole time. And I was like, this would be terrible for my reputation to be on national television hungry. In other words, hangry and grumpy. I, I'm honestly one of those people. I don't deal very well with hunger. So I find if I have high protein, high fiber, lots of water, it helps me. If I'm hungry though, I can't concentrate. I can't sleep through hunger. You know, I meet people that can just skip dinner and go to bed. How? I'm literally awake in the night and my stomach is eating itself. So I think some people experience more hunger than others. Yeah, but you see, you're a young'un. When you get to my old fart <laughs> stage, the, prob- the problem is your metabolism gets slower and you have to be, I have to be so careful of everything I put in my mouth. And, and actually, I, I sometimes do forget to eat, so it's not a big obsession Oh, my of mine. gosh. I don't have that skill. Maybe uh, then you should only tell people to get over it if they're old farts like yourself and their metabolism yeah. shot because nah. I'm hungry. A lot of 10.30, that's snack hour. No, no, I think snacks are completely unnecessary. So anyhow, oh let's get back goodness. to Ozempic. Let's get back to Ozempic. Please tell us in like, send us an email. Let us know. Are you a snacker or not? Are you on Dr. Ross's side or Dr. Gina Clear's side are. with snacking? I'd love to know because I disagree. Okay. So Ross, it's very popular. We've heard how it works in our body. It's obviously literally taken the world by storm. What kind of results are people experiencing from using a Zempic to help them lose weight? What are we talking here in terms of, say, kilograms? Well, there was a big study published in the, the greatest medical journal in the world, the New England Journal of Medicine, which I subscribe to and read every week. And this was just under 2,000 patients who were followed for 60 months and who were not diabetic. So some of them were pre-diabetic, but there were no diabetics in the study at all. And there was about an average 15 kilo weight loss, which is pretty damn good. Um, and other studies showed better diabetic control, weight loss for type 2 diabetes, uh, and 20% reduction in cardiac events. But a recent study, you know, this is a big deal. A recent study showed a significant improvement in a pretty common medical condition in cardiology called heart failure, with preserved ejection fraction. So when anyone hears the term heart failure, they think the heart stopped. doesn't work like that. Heart failure is basically when you're not pumping enough blood around the body to meet the metabolic needs of the body. That's what heart failure is. And there are two types. There's heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, where the heart's like a, a floppy bag and just doesn't pump properly. And then there's heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. Heart's pumping fine, but it's stiff and it doesn't relax properly, so it doesn't fill. And we, we don't have a lot of good treatments for that. We've got one other diabetic drug that they found strangely was a good treatment uh, for this heart failure with preserved ejection f- fraction called the SGLT2 inhibitors. But now they've found that Ozempic improves this heart failure with preser- preserved ejection fraction. And that's mm. t- the people who get this are typically the overweight or obese diabetics or pre-diabetics who've got high blood pressure, atrial fibrillation, and we haven't been able to do much for them apart from control their, their atrial fibrillation or their blood pressure. Ozempics actually work for them as well. So it is, I think, a blockbuster drug. So what are the numbers? What are the results? Okay, the results are the study of just under 2,000 non-diabetics, but people who are overweight or obese, so about 40% were pre-diabetics, uh, and they treated them for 60 weeks with Ozempic 
and they found an average 15 kilo weight loss in the people who are on Ozempic compared to placebo over a 60-week period. So it was pretty profound stuff. Pretty good. I mean, 15 kilograms, well, 60 weeks is like just over a year. And 15 kilograms, that's quite a lot of weight to lose, and that would be hard to lose that. What I want to know, though, Ross, do we have any data around the weight loss maintenance? Oh, no, not, not, not whatsoever. Because, see, here's the problem with anything, whether it's a 12-week program, whether it's a year trial. Uh, we, we know, and you know this probably better than I do, that after three or four years after someone's been in either one of those biggest loser shows on television or Survivor or whatever, where they've lost weight or where they've been on a program of weight loss and they've actually lost weight, the vast majority of people have regained the weight or it, that's it, right ninety five percent in fact yeah yeah, yeah. so so therefore we don't know what's going to happen and this this is the problem with any treatment program the treatment works for as long as you're on the program I wrote a book twenty years ago called diets don't work because I say you go on a diet like you go on a holiday what happens when you go on a holiday you come home what happens when you go on a diet you stop and when you stop mm. you then put on put on back the weight that you've lost typically, but typically in the first month or so, you've only lost water and muscle. Yeah. You haven't lost the ingrained fat, the ingrained belly fat that really causes is the, the issues. Problem. Yeah, that's so, right. So, so therefore, you're then putting back on prob probably more fat tissue than you are water and muscle that you've lost. And, and I say to my patients, losing weight, getting down that waist circumference is like an archaeologic dig. You keep <laughs> digging and digging and digging away. And it might take months and months and months before you start to see the, the, the benefits. And human beings want instant results. We do. That's why Zempic's a blockbuster. Okay. I, just, I have a question about your book firstly. Do you tell people in the book if you're hungry to get over it? Yeah, of course You I do. do. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Did you sell many copies? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I would not read a book like that. No, I'm kidding. I would read it, but then I would probably give my review about it. Okay, back to Ozempic. Yep. There are so many weight loss drugs out there. Ross, why do you think Ozempic is a blockbuster? How is it different to some of the other ones? What are the benefits? Well, the, the other weight loss drugs have been more just appetite suppressants. And they've had a lot of side effects as well, a lot of very nasty side effects. So, for example... About 20 years ago, there was a, a weight loss combination called Fenfen, and this Fenfen was actually shown to damage the valves in the heart. Wow, they were selling the that in Mexico as well. Absolutely, <laughs> and a lot, of, a lot of weight loss drugs uh, can actually drive up the blood pressure, increase your risk for heart attack, whereas Ozempic's been shown to do the absolute reverse of all of that. Mm. So, but, but I don't want anyone to think they can do it and there's absolutely zero side effects. The big side effects with Ozempic are gastrointestinal symptoms. So people often get, even though they lose their appetite, which is part of the treatment, they get nauseated, sometimes mm. they vomit, diarrhea, constipation, all, all the things that you can when you upset the gut, the things you can cause. And there is a rare, this is very rare, but still a rare but slight increase in thyroid cancer in predisposed individuals. So we're not talking about something that's completely harmless here. Yeah. And again, as you so rightly asked me, we're not sure what's going to happen in the long term here. And there's so many drugs that have been brought onto the market and people have taken them and have had a, a very good acute response 
And then later on, they found out there's a big issue. So I'll give you an example. About 20 years ago, there was a drug called Vioxx, which was a terrific drug for arthritis. It was one of those non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, a bit like Celecoxib or Celebrex, um, a bit different to things like Brufen and Voltara and those sort of drugs. And it was a blockbuster for arthritis. People took it. This is wonderful. Then they found out after about five years or so that it doubled the risk for heart attack. Yikes. They had to take it off the market. So yeah. we have to be careful about the long-term view here with the with these treatments. But the research is around Ozempic has been, what, five years? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, around five years or so. So can we really call it a blockbuster drug if we don't know the outcomes long-term? This could be really dangerous to someone's health and we don't know it yet. Oh, no, it is a blockbuster drug for weight loss, no doubt about that. But that's exactly the point. People should be in for the long game. So I saw a woman in my practice yesterday who was 45 years old. She had a little bit of coronary calcium in her arteries, which we'll talk about in another podcast, and her GP wanted to put her on a statin to lower her cholesterol because she had a little bit of fat in her arteries. Not Had no conversation with her whatsoever about lifestyle. She saw another cardiologist before me who said, if you don't take statins, you're going to die, which is fear-mongering nonsense or scaremongering nonsense. And and no one can look her in the face and say, as a 45-year-old woman, that taking statins for the next possibly 55 years is not going to hurt her at all. That's my concern about the long-term use of pharmaceutical medications, whether they're injected or whether they're swallowed. We just don't know. What we do know, beyond a doubt, that practicing the five keys of being healthy, practicing lifestyle modification is completely safe and very, very good for you, especially when you look at things like the blue zones around the world where they have enormous longevity. They've never heard of pharmaceutical drug, well, I have, but they've, they've, it's not part of their life and they don't have gyms. They just live a good, healthy lifestyle. Yeah, we have so much to learn from them. And if you're listening and you're wondering what these five steps to health are, we do go through them in a, another episode. So please do tune into that. Ross, I've got one more question for you then. We've talked about the benefits. We've talked about some of the harm, some of the risks of using Azempic. And I can, I'm sort of sensing that you're sitting more on the pro Azempic side. Do you? Like if a client was, if a patient comes to you and says, I'm thinking of taking Azempic, what is your overall impression or thought about it? Oh, look, I don't have a problem with them acutely using it because often it's a bit of a, it breaks the cycle of what they're doing. They've got into this vicious circle of, of weight gain, weight gain, weight gain, and it may just help them start to lose some weight and start to get more motivated then to follow the lifestyle habits. So, so it's, it's a bit like the gastric reduction surgery, which I think is a, again, a topic for another, another podcast. But there's a lot of people who've just gone beyond the point of no return in their life. And it's the, and, and I can assure you that the studies are showing beyond a doubt that people who, who are in the morbid obese range, which is, which is a BMI over the age, uh, over 40, um, that the chance of them actually losing weight is close to negligible. And, and it's better for them to have something rather than nothing. And this is where I see Ozempic for people who are now getting into the obese range and they just think, look, I, I really have to do something to break this cycle. But again, I, I say to all my patients, this is never a long-term solution. Yeah. Okay. I'm really glad you say that because I think that's my concern with it is the long-term outcomes. We don't know what they are. 
That's yeah, one of see, the main concerns anyway. <laughs> I, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts uh, about this as a habit change expert. What's your take on Exepic and how does it affect our habits? You know, I appreciate the feeling of wanting to lose weight fast, of, you know, going on a holiday or a wedding's coming up. You know, I get it. But historically, weight loss medications have always resulted in an inevitable weight regain. They are just as much as diets or exercise programs or anything else. But yes, they do make us, you know, they help us to lose weight quicker. My other concern is that losing weight too quickly also results in some sort of muscle mass loss. And our muscles help our metabolism significantly. So if we're losing muscle, once we get off this drug, then our metabolism's actually reduced. So even if we go back to eating the same amount that we were beforehand, we're actually going to gain more weight, which is what we're seeing in people. And so, you know, it's, I just think, yeah, it's, look, I'm in two minds about it. I think it's a good tool. I think it can be used as a tool. But once you do stop taking the drug, the effects of feeling satisfied after the meal stops. And we know that people can't take these drugs forever. They have to come off them at some point. So I've got, I'm hesitant, to be honest. I appreciate it from, you know, that really wanting to lose weight perspective. But from a habit perspective, it doesn't teach us good habits because it's playing with our hunger and fullness cues, with our muscle mass, with our desire to eat, even just basic healthy meals. I think people are losing weight too quickly and they can't maintain that weight loss. Yep. Yeah, look, I, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, it, I, I suppose my practice is a bit more skewed to the fact that as a cardiologist, I'm seeing people who are really gone beyond the, they're, they're not in their 20s and 30s typically, they're getting more towards 40s, 50s, 60s and, and older. And, and they've got to the point where their metabolism is starting to slow. They are putting on the weight around the belly. And we do know that it's the abdominal obesity that's the dangerous form of obesity. And this certainly does help that acutely. But I know in the long term, it's not the answer. I'm so glad you said that, Ross. And, you know, I think that if we were to look at applying weight loss drugs, whether it's a Zempic or any others, I think that it's really important to be pairing them with some kind of lifestyle behavior change so that when you do stop Ozempic, you can go back to lifestyle changes that, that you've been applying already. You know, we know it takes around 10 weeks roughly to create a new habit. Our brains are constantly rewiring. So if you're, you know, say eating less snacks or smaller portions, even though I still think snacks are a good idea then, you know, they can be nutritious foods that are high in protein and fiber to help support your muscle mass even throughout the time that you're taking a Zempic. That's my take on it. Yeah, well, it depends. on uh, to, to quote uh, some of the great philosophers, not all snacks are created equal. So, <laughs> so I don't disagree with you. Some snacks are okay, but certain, the way some people snack, I mean, seriously. Well, look, I do agree with you, but yeah. yes. Yes, that's good. <laughs> yeah, so, so, but if I can just make my final point that I think is so important, I have no issues with people using Ozempic for the reasons I said, but please see it as a short-term solution. The long-term solution is always lifestyle change. Love it. That's it. Making small, sustainable changes to our nutrition, movement, our sleep, our mindset, our stress levels. That is really how we change our habits and therefore our health long term. And we know the research shows it's the only proven method to maintain weight loss long term is to change our habits. 
Well, thank you, Dr. Ross. That brings us to the end of this week's episode on Eat, Live and Move Well with Miyagi. Thank you so much for listening and we hope that you've enjoyed tuning in and took some valuable insights away from today's episode. Next week, we're going to be talking about something that I'm really passionate about and a really important topic to be having. We're going to be talking about one of the fastest growing addictions in the community. Ross, can you take a guess about what that might be? Uh, I would say something to do with a flat screen. Ooh, you are spot on. We will be talking about phone addiction, how it's impacting our health and what we can do about it. In the meantime, whatever platform you're listening to today, hit subscribe so you don't miss out when a new episode drops. That's all from us. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.